It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, and as always, I am joined by my good friend on Rocky Top, Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Fine, man. It is week zero, and over in Dublin, Navy and Notre Dame are, uh, are warming up, and then in 10 days, Virginia comes to Knoxville, and my boys are in Orlando, going to facing LSU, and football is here, man. Football is here. It's it's uh, it's incredible how fast the summer goes by. You get into fall camp, and before you know it, the scrimmages are over. You're in game preparation mode, and for us, obviously, in what we do, uh, this is an exciting time of year with uh, a lot of incredible fun things going on, and right now, everyone's undefeated. <laughs> That's right. Today, we're going to talk about uh, football and the best and worst football promotions that uh, we've been associated with. I think we'll probably spend more time on the worst since they're a lot more fun. What do you think? There's a fair amount of those, although we do have some success stories as well. Yeah, I understand. People get tired of hearing about us talk about ourselves and how great we are. So I think it's more fun to talk about uh, things we've done wrong. But I will, I'm going to start it off with the story that I actually uh, started a year before I got there. I think it's one of the funniest damn promotions. The year before I got to the Bucks, um, for years and years and years, the Bucks had had, they worked with McDill Air Force Base, which is a local uh, Air Force Base, and they'd worked with the U.S. Army Golden Knights. And they had the, and the ones that uh, uh, dropped, uh, brought footballs in. They parachuted in every year. Never a mistake. It was awesome. Well, the year before I got there, they decided to take the money and do a deal with Miller and have the Miller six-pack fly into the stadium. Um, and so that sounded great until only three of the six-pack made it inside Tampa oh, Stadium. Wow. <laughs> the other three, the other three did not make it inside the stadium. They landed in the park next door, uh, and at halftime, it was reported that they were okay. But uh, it was certainly kind of fun. maybe more fun. Maybe that's a great promotion because it got more more uh, more uh, ink from Miller. Um, but I've got a bunch of stories like that. It could have been a scavenger hunt. Got to go find those other three. <laughs> did they make it? Um, the other funny one that I that I always remember from my days at the Bucks was uh, we had an anthem singer contest with uh, Marriott and uh, their, their uh, flagship bar champions. And so we had singers from all over the Tampa Bay area anthem singing for us. And I used to had went there in mind-numbing Tuesday nights listening to anthems over and over and over again. And we finally picked a winner and brought him into the stadium and turned the lights on and said, go, and they froze. And after about three or four seconds, we said, cue the music, because this person is not going to go, which was not the only time someone froze at the Anthem in Tampa Stadium. Laura Brannigan, remember that name, Brandon? We're both old. But that was, remember she sang Gloria? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she came in right in front of me. She uh, she said, oh, and then stopped. She had nothing. The, uh, the three and a half second delay in the stadium just freaked her out. Whitney Houston yeah. was able to get through it, but uh, Laura Brannigan was not. It's, it's the human element to what we do, which can make it exciting, but scary at the same time. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I'll let you go. Uh, I, I've got a couple. Of, I'm going to go with a, I'm going to say it. It was a semi-successful promotion, but it also, it, 
it left a little bit to be desired on the fully executed part of it. So several years ago, um, obviously we lost uh, our famed uh, women's basketball coach, Pat Summit, um, to Alzheimer's. And that year, uh, one of our partners, Dish, uh, wanted to do something during football season to honor and recognize Pat and then also raise awareness for Alzheimer's. Uh, so we decided to execute a promotion around the Tennessee-Florida football game, um, and we called it Get Your Game Face On. And so we had 102,541 black eye stickers printed, just like the players wear on the field to keep the sun out of their eyes. Mm -hmm. And we were asking fans to get their game face on. And on each of the stickers, there was a, a, a Pat Summit signature logo that was included. And then we did a fair amount of things to raise awareness for Alzheimer's through media leading up to the game. And, and I say it was semi-successful because I think we did accomplish a lot on the front end from, a, from an educational standpoint. Dish also made a uh, terrific donation to the Alzheimer's Clinic at the UT Medical Center uh, in the amount of $102,000. Uh, so we get to game day, we've got our stickers, we pass them all out at the gates, and the human element kicked in. While the promotion was great, not nearly enough fans decided to actually apply their iBlack stickers on. And, you know, we were hoping for those moments of sections of stands where you could take a picture and everybody's got their iBlack on, and it just didn't work out that way. I thought you were going to tell me it was a driving rainstorm and there was absolutely no reason to ever put eye black on. Okay. So, so you mentioned that, um, three or four years ago, pre COVID, we decided we were going to execute a promotion to do 102,000 orange and white shakers in the football stadium for the Tennessee, Alabama game. Yeah. The SEC uh, is the king of shaking, king of shaking. Uh, so, we sell all of these partners into the campaign. Uh, we order the shakers. We get them all to the stadium. Uh, we have a huge team of people that go over on Friday. Uh, we place one shaker on every seat in the stadium, 102,000. Come back on Saturday morning, and it comes a, a, horrential, or a horrendous thunderstorm. And the wind blew, and all of our shakers were gone. And so literally <laughs> the team had to go back into the stadium in the pouring driving rain, pick up and replace all the shakers for that game. Oof. And and by the way, shakers really don't work that well when it's raining. Yeah, they uh, don't work. They don't work that well anyway. I mean, I remember the first time I ever went to Auburn as a fan and the Auburn scored and all you heard was. But I'm like, what the hell? They're not even cheering. They're just shaking. I, I never I've never understood the shaker, but it's an SEC go back a hundred years tradition. But I, I get but it. Were you not were you not one of those guys that you would take your shakers when it was non game day and like put them in the back of your car uh, in the in the back window where fans uh, were even no. one see the color of the school that you supported. My mom and dad did that. We had yeah, shakers I, for days. I understand. It's it's an SEC problem. Yeah, we we the rest of the country is not so not so big on the shaker. Um, it's so I I will say by talking about the human element, we also we've had uh, we've done this promotion for years with various clients where you have a family register their child for a chance to go get the tea uh, after the opening kickoff, and it sounds amazing. And then the the family comes down the sideline and they have a great time and they're so appreciative of the prize. We have a ton of people register, and then it's time and then the ball gets kicked and the kid again. 
no way are they running out of that field. They are scared to death. And I mean, there's schools all over the country that have dogs that are have no problem going out there and grabbing the tea or other. But you have a seven year old or a five year old something, and you're like, go get it. They're like, nope, not going to happen. And the equipment yeah. manager just got to run out there and get the tea, just like every other time. But that's not really a failed promotion. That's just uh, that's just a kid not able to go. I, I did want to talk about kind of a a best and worst practice um, from a grocery category from a football perspective that I think might be illustrative. Um, and it was really with the same client. Uh, and so I think it's it's a great example. We had years ago, uh, as you know, Brandon, we had Vilo, which was a grocery chain that was very powerful at the time in the, in the Carolinas right. and even, even in East Tennessee. And the promo- they basically came to us with a challenge and they said, listen, our what we'd like sports to accomplish for us is to move our generic products. Okay, everyone can sell the brand and stuff, but we want to be able to move our generics. It's not doing very well. And so we came up with a concept called buy low, no dough. And what it was is if you went in and you made a dedicated purchase of eight generic products, they were labeled, they were in uh, shelf talkers, they were in end aisles, all kinds of things. If you made a, a, a dedicated purchase of eight products during basketball or baseball season, you got when you walked out, that when you um, bought those products at the register, a receipt popped that gave you a receipt for two free tickets to a baseball game or two free tickets to a basketball game at Clemson, Carolina, and the schools we were doing this with. And their generic sales for those um, seven years, every single year, we had double digit across the chain sales increases for generics. Okay. So unbelievably successful. Uh, the generic sales alone paid for the partnerships and they were not cheap and it was it was great well and, and also the generics are very profitable gener- for them that's exactly right yeah. they do they do better for them than, than the others so now fast forward and bilo is goes and purchases win dixie grocery chain win dixie be for a lot of you know reasons that were not good for all of us um win dixie got to have the headquarters in Florida. There was an incentive for the, the headquarters to stay in Florida. So Winn-Dixie took over, the, the people of Winn-Dixie took over the partnership. They reinvented this deal and made it so that they were going to have tickets to the game, but they weren't free. And if you bought any two of 20 items, okay? Oh. So they listed these 20 items out there and, and they were all branded items, not generics. If you bought any two of these items on your way out the door, you were automatically registered to win tickets to Alabama, LSU, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson. Okay. Well, people had no idea that they were registering for this thing. There was no way to tie the sales because there was too many items. But the worst thing was for the people at these schools that work for y'all, the the, the interns and the uh, PSCs that had to call winners. So they've got these lists of potential winners and they're trying to call them and saying, you've won two tickets to a Alabama football game. And nobody thought they registered and they thought it was a scam. These poor people were on yeah. the phone for hours and hours and days trying to get, trying to give away tickets to Florida, yeah. Florida state, USC, Clemson football, because it was just so poorly conceived and poorly executed. So you got the exact same client, who took the same concept and made it the worst and the best. Yeah, two two additional follow-up stories to that. One, I will say this on the front end. 
I think we've learned over the years, anytime you complicate a promotion for the general fan, um, you, you, you're doomed in some ways. Because if, if it cannot be simplistically communicated and fans know and can activate around what the promotion is, uh, you become really challenged. Right. Uh, in, a, in a similar vein, um, one that's been successful for us is we have a relationship with the Tennessee Beef Council uh, in the state of Tennessee, which is the cattle producers, which is the number one commodity in the state of Tennessee. Uh, they've been a 34-year partner. Uh, and so every year we'll execute uh, what we call Beef Day at Tennessee. And it's a, a celebration and education of, of beef, cattle producers in the state, uh, what, what beef means to a healthy diet, et cetera. But part, part of those festivities include the launch of a uh, four-week register to win promotion. And they partner with our grocery, uh, official grocery partner, Food City, and so for four weeks, if you go to a Food City location and purchase a beef selection using your value card, then you're automatically registered to win, similar to what you're talking about. Um, and we try to do a really good job in the market of saturating that messaging so fans know they're signing up for that or they have a chance to win that. Uh, and Food City does a good job with in-store POP. Um, but every year now, Food City will will run the promotion and then they are able to come back to the beef council and say, we had X number of purchases during this four week period. We sold this many pounds of beef. And then they comparatively look at same type periods of time to compare, did we did we move the needle? Did we sell right. more beef? And, and, on and, a football season or do a comp on every other month of the year versus yeah, that month, yeah. Exactly. Um, and fortunately for us, the, the numbers continue to go up, which is great. Um, but um, now on the other side of things, uh, we, we had a similar program with, with Bilo uh, where we were using a game day t-shirt to drive retail traffic into Bilo locations. And the, the, the uniqueness of the t-shirt is we started out at $4.99. Can you believe that? You could buy a game day t-shirt for a specific game for $4 and 99 cents. I don't even think you can print those now for $4 and 99 cents. Right. So first year of the promotion, it goes gangbuster. They're doing pep rally remotes every week from different locations and we're driving sales like crazy. They're seeing great traffic number increases. Um, but we collectively got greedy and we went back the next year and we raised the price to 599. And the whole, what we learned was the whole perception around a $5 t-shirt, five bucks versus $5.99 killed the program. Isn't that crazy that there is just, there is a line and you, when you cross there it, is. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> there is, there absolutely is. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, you sit in a meeting and you think we sold X number of t-shirts this past year. We were at $4.99. Nobody's going to think twice about $5.99. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, they thought twice yes, and said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it is crazy that I mean, but that's that is the world of public perception. And that is when when you're when you and I are trying to negotiate and trying to work through promotional concepts, we have to think about that all the time. What will the public do? Because our whole job is changing a habit. Everything we do in life in terms of marketing is saying, can we use sports to change a habit or change a routine? Right. That's everything we do. And if we can't change a routine or we can't change a habit, 
then we failed. Because if they do what they did before, then sports didn't help or hurt. And then we're not going to get a renewal. Right. So our whole, whole life is to change a habit. And we have to be able to do that to, to have a win. I mean, we talk about, um, I know we're going to do a whole segment in a couple of weeks on, uh, on register to wins, but I will say from a football perspective, uh, when we're switching over to some of the best, some of the most effective register to wins that we have done um, at Knox Sports have been when we do things that people feel like they have absolutely no shot of experiencing without it and taking that fandom and just exploding it. And, and I thought one of the best ones we've done, we've done three of them that I wanted to call out. Uh, the first one uh, was with Clemson. It was called tailgate with the top tigers. We talked about it a little bit, uh, I think maybe three or four years ago. And it was the simple concept. We took the football coach and said, if you want to tailgate with a football coach, you can do it. And it was during basketball season when a football coach was available. We took the basketball and the baseball coach and made them available in football season. So you could have a tailgate experience with the Clemson basketball or baseball coach in football season, you and 10 friends. And for some, most people, that is unattainable. They've never met these people, much less have them casually hang out with them uh, in a tailgate setting. Uh, and, and so that was amazingly uh, successful. And we have another one that's kind of similar uh, up at Michigan State that's going on right now. It's called Inside the Green. Uh, same concept where during football season, Tom Izzo makes himself available uh, for, you know, for a certain number of people all register and they get to have dinner with uh, with Tom Izzo during football season. And then in basketball season, Coach Tucker makes himself available and a bunch of people get a chance to have dinner and a casual night with Coach Tucker. And I know that's driven by the fact that you got two coaches that are incredibly friendly, outgoing. People love them. They want to be around them. Uh, and right. the coaches make themselves available, uh, which is not always the case at every school. Um, so that that's incredibly unique. Uh, but uh, those are really fun. And I think the last one that I'll touch on there that's just pretty awesome is, and we did this at Texas years ago, we did, a, it was called Date with a Great. And so it was, and Texas made some alumni folks available to us. We had uh, 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 Earl Campbell to spend the whole wow. afternoon with Earl Campbell. Uh, I think I'd like to merge the beef promotion with an afternoon with Earl Campbell, because I think he could put away some beef. Uh, maybe have Earl go knock out some steaks and go hang out at his house. That would be super fun. Um, and then we just went through, you know, Mac Brown made himself available. Um, this was when he was still on TV, you know, in between the, the Texas and the Carolina gigs. Uh, and so those kind of concepts where people get to experience something that they have no chance uh, of ever uh, doing, they feel like in their real life, the, the response was through the roof. Uh, and the execution is amazing. And oh, by the way, from a social perspective, wow. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but when you think about everything that we're talking about, so much of it comes back to experiential. What mm -hmm. can we deliver with the assets that we have that fans can't get anywhere else? And then when you have a partner that's presenting it, then in our minds, obviously, we're hoping that that translates into into brand loyalty because if a super fan was able to, to experience, meet a coach, uh, be down on the field, go pick up the tee at, at, at midfield because a brand made it possible. That's and, right. And if we change uh, a habit and they buy that brand or they give that brand consideration when they hadn't before, we've won. Exactly. Exactly. I, I'll, I'll give you one example of, I'm going to call it a learning lesson for us. 
but we entered into a relationship with uh, Dick Sporting Goods and specifically their House of Sport brand a couple of years ago. And one of the promotions that we had pitched them on to execute was a half court shot during an SEC basketball game in the spring. Um, the goal behind it for Dick's House of Sport was to sign up loyalty card members. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, they know, talk about changing habits. If you can, if you can secure a loyalty card or a rewards member to a program, it's worth X amount of dollars in retail sales per year. So from an ROI standpoint, we know if we sign up 2000 people, it's worth three, $400 in purchases annually, quantify that out and pretty, pretty quickly, just like you said earlier, that pay, you know, that pays for the whole sponsorship. That's it. So we ran the register to win for a two week period. We selected our winner. We got actually, we were thrilled with the winner. He was actually a student at UT, athletic guy. Um, Which is important. You don't, want, you, don't important. Want, you don't want the 85 year old person out there where they can't throw the ball to the, to the free throw line. Exactly. Um, we took him over to the house of sport. He did like a one hour uh, practice session where we fed Ooh. him the ball. We put all that up on social and, and I'm thinking, man, this guy's really got a shot. And so we, we take him out onto the court uh, in a timeout period. Um, he goes, uh, we run the pre-produced open that we had ready. We give him the ball uh, and then he takes a shot. He missed. But here was the big takeaway. We didn't capture the moment like I thought we would have because it happened so quickly because it was just one shot. Yeah. And and so we came back the second year. Uh, and we implemented, and, and a lot of schools do this, a lot of professional teams do this, um, layup, free throw, three points, and then the half-court shot. And so the promotion on court had a much longer activation period. I think we put one minute on the clock. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, And that achieved more the, the impact we were hoping for in the moment. But we learned, as great as it looks on television when somebody hits a half-court shot, whether it be – the State Farm College game day attempt that you see on ESPN or, or at another school where somebody's hit a half-court shot, it can lose its luster quickly because it happens so quickly. And if you don't make it, it's not a downer, but it's anticlimactic. Let's say it that way. Yeah, we had a similar situation. We, we had a promotion um, uh, back in the day with the Bucks where you had to catch punts. Let me just tell you what a terrible idea that is. Because, <laughs> because you of have the hang time? Well, you have people out there, you talk about picking an athletic person, you don't have the option of picking an athletic person, you pick who you pick, right? right. So we have we have a whole year of having people out there catching punts. And I, I got to say, I think we broke two noses. I mean, people are really, <laughs> really bad at catching punts. They, uh, yeah. There are... And that thing goes up and it's a jugs machine, right? So it's not like you got, you know, you don't like you have the punter hanging out and say, hey, go hit one for us. This is going to be a jugs machine that sends that thing up in a perfect spiral. And it goes up and it's a 50, 60 yard punt. And they're standing back there and their arms are up and they have no chance. You just forget that not athletes exist because we're around athletes all the time. But no, you put someone out there and you got some 50 year old person that has no chance and smash right into the face because they can't figure out that the hands go in front of the face. They just right. take it full out in the face. Not a good scene. And yeah. uh, thank God that back then we did not have the high definition video boards to be able to capture the blood streaming from the body <laughs> after, after the, the football hit them square on in the face. But 
Yeah, that's not a good idea. So don't ever do anything with a non-athlete with requires some athletic ability. That's probably a good learning lesson for a promotion too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that's not what the brand's hoping for. The <laughs> no. you know? Sponsored by uh, Tallahassee Memorial Hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> probably, probably not what you're looking for. All right. You got any more before we close? I think, I think not another story, but I will say this, generally speaking, it's really fascinating to me what fans will latch on to and become passionate about around promotions. What, what drives their thought process where, where you get to this tipping point where you're getting the masses, that you're getting the buy-in that you hope for, whether that's something that's occurring in the marketplace or it's something that you're trying to execute in the venue. Because you can tell, you can sense it certainly in the venue when you have a promotion that engages the fan base and they are right. totally bought into it. Because um, we, we've had plenty of promotions over the years where we think we have this great idea and it just never resonates. And then we've had other ideas uh, that maybe some are more technology driven. Some can be a little bit more complicated, but fans figure it out and and they latch on to it. And, right. and so, you know, and, and it's, it's humbling. Of, it's humbling as marketers to think because you think you're smarter than the public. And so right. you create these concepts and you think this is going to be awesome because we did it in Texas or we did it in California or we did it in Ohio. And then you bring it to, you know, UNC Chapel Hill and it's a complete dud. And you're like, how did that happen? And you, right. And, and you're right. It, it is fascinating because we are not the smartest people in the room. The people are the smartest people in the room and they dictate what is going to work and what isn't going to work. And you just have yeah. to have the flexibility within the promotion. Even you could be three weeks into a 12 week campaign. And if you could have the flexibility to say, uh Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, and it's remarkable. And I, I think the, the thing that we have to remember as marketers is, is in a lot of these promotions, we have to put on the hat of the general fan. What is something that's going to resonate with them? You know, we've done podcasts on uh, hospitality and experiential. And while we take for granted a lot of the access that we have, when you're a fan and you've never stepped foot on a football field in a college football stadium, that's an incredible experience. Right. Well, we, we may do that three times during a game week. Right. And so we sort of take it for granted. And, and so, in fact, a lot of our younger people, when we sit down and have brainstorm sessions around promotions and what will motivate the fan base, more times than not, I have to remind our team, guys, you are not the prospect or the, or the fan we're trying to reach. You have a different perspective because you work in this. You've got to put a fan hat on for a few minutes and think as a fan and what would motivate you as a fan. You're 100% right. All right, folks, so loyal listeners, thank you for picking us uh, picking us up on your busy podcast schedule. We'll be back in a few weeks after we kick off. Best of luck to uh, Mr. Parks and the balls when get when toe hits leather with the uh, with Virginia coming to town. And uh, wish us luck with our 25-plus accounts here at Knox Sports and the 60 or so university promotions that are all cranking up next week. So we've got, uh, we've got a lot of stuff happening here at Knox Sports well. Um, so on behalf of Brandon Parks, my name is Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to Knox Talk. We'll see you again next time.